always good to see you. It's always great to worship with you. It's always great to be part of this church. Such a blessing for me over so many years, and it was such a blessing to so many since 1947, and such a blessing it will be to people for decades and decades to come by the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ. This morning I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to John's Gospel, it's page 896 in your pew Bible. And uh, what I would like to do is, um, is to read the, just the first 10 verses of this, uh, of this chapter to you, but I'll be making some comments really about the whole chapter. It's familiar to many of you, not to everybody, but it will be familiar enough um, that um, that will make sense. This will be one of, I think, four sermons, actually, on John 10. It's such a rich, such a rich chapter. Jesus has just healed the man born blind. He's just been confronted by and confronted in return the Pharisees, who will not accept that he was born blind, that man, because then that means that Jesus did a miracle. And they will not allow it to be said that Jesus did a miracle, that Jesus was any man of any import, but that he was, in fact, that he was in fact a sinner. By the end of John chapter 10, they're going to be saying he was demonized. But this is what Jesus says in that context. John 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the gatekeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now this figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so again, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I ask you now, please, that for this glory and for the truth of your Son, for the honor of your Son in our hearts, through our trusting in him, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, I realize this is a fairly common or familiar passage in the New Testament. It ought to be. It's so great. It's so wonderful. In this passage, Jesus is drawing together two things. He's he's drawing together the rich tradition of messianic teaching from the Old Testament, the teaching about the coming Messiah, and he's drawing that tradition together with the daily experience of many who heard Jesus speak these very words. And so I want to draw your attention as we start this morning to both of those contexts, 
the Old Testament revelation and the daily experience of the hearers in order to deepen our understanding, I think, and hope of this well-known passage. I mean, I read these words. I don't know about you, but how can someone not recall Psalm 23? You know that psalm, don't you? Come on, yeah, say it along with me. Do your best. Don't worry if you stumble. The, lo- <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in righteousness, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What? No evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and... I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, you read the entire chapter of John chapter 10, and you're going to find Jesus speaks unmistakably in the same way. He will say, I am the good shepherd. I lead my sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I give them eternal life. The parallels are remarkable. They're unmistakable. They're explicit. And as God's promise of the Messiah unfolded in the Old Testament, as Israel became more and more corrupt, the Lord condemned the false shepherds of Israel, those leaders who were exploiting the people and and exploiting God's promises, really, presuming on them. And so God promised, I'll take us to Ezekiel 34. There are other prophets who spoke to this. But this is what God promised in Ezekiel 34, verses 23 to 25. He said, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace. Well, David, of course, was long gone when Ezekiel prophesied these words. So when he spoke of my servant David, he's referring to the promised son of David, the promised Messiah, whom we know as Jesus Christ. And so, too, in our verses, you find this picked up and reflected as Jesus condemns thieves and robbers, false shepherds who come in masquerading as shepherds to exploit the sheep. And, and in this, he probably refers at the very least to the Pharisees of John chapter 9. He calls himself the door of the sheep repeatedly, the one whom false shepherds avoid in order to get at the sheep, which shows that they are false. It's with this background in mind that you can understand the reaction of the Jews in verse 24, which I did not read, but I hope your Bibles are open. I hope you'll turn to it. You can understand the reaction to what Jesus said in John, 24, uh, John 10, 24, when they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. That's very significant. They understood 
the messianic implications, the messianic significance of what Jesus was saying and teaching when he called himself the Good Shepherd. And that's that fact also, that the messianic significance, the symbolism was clear in what he's teaching. That when they ask this question, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. His answer was, I told you. I told you. At the very least, it means, I just told you. Jesus had brought the Old Testament background now into the New Testament foreground, and he had applied it to himself. Now, there's one other context for Jesus' teaching here, which was the daily experience of life in Judea or Galilee, and I refer to shepherds with their sheep. And I'm going to talk about this for a couple moments with you because there are different ways shepherds work with sheep, unlike, say, in England, where sheep are raised primarily for wool and for meat. In the Near East, sheep are raised for wool and for milk. And so the number of years that a shepherd spends with his sheep and that a sheep spends with his shepherd are (laughs) comparatively longer. He does not slaughter them. He cares for them. And he gives them names. It's common for the shepherds to give their flocks names like, I don't know, Fluffy, Snowball, Stinky. But again, in England or Australia or the United States, a shepherd moves his sheep by driving them, and often uses sheepdogs to drive them. But in the Near East, it's different. The shepherd goes before them. The shepherd leads them with his voice. His voice is familiar to them. His voice is the only voice they will follow. It is associated with food and water and pasture and safety. There's a familiarity, there's a trust that that the shepherd will take care of the sheep. He will bring them after a full day, after a full day then, he will also bring them safely home at night. And when the day and its end is reached, the shepherds of a village would bring their flocks back to a common sheep fold. You know, these are villagers. These are village shepherds. They didn't have hundreds and thousands of sheep. They had a few sheep, maybe a dozen sheep, maybe a dozen and a half sheep. And they'd all be kept in a common sheep fold, which is like a corral, an enclosure with stone walls and a single gate, which was narrow. It was a narrow gate. Because you wouldn't want all the sheep to suddenly go stampeding out, would you? And there would be several shepherds there with their respective flocks. And they would have to take turns in bringing their sheep into that pen. And so when a shepherd's turn came, he would stand beside the gate at the enclosure and he would call the sheep by name. And one by one, they would enter through that narrow gate into the sheepfold. And as they did, the shepherd would take his rod as the sheep was wide and put it over the sheep horizontally, not beat the sheep, put it over them, and the sheep would stop. And the shepherd would examine the sheep, each one to make sure that they'd not been bitten, 
injured, harm, that they were safe, and of course that they were his sheep. See, it wasn't enough for a shepherd to know that each sheep was present. The shepherd was determined to know that each sheep was well. And you see this reflected actually in the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel in chapter 37 when God said, I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of covenant. Now I know rod can conjure up the idea of spare the rod, spoil a child, you know, spanking or punish it. No, no. I will bring you, I will make you pass under the rod. This is exactly what he's referring to. I'm going to bring you safely home. I will make sure You will be mine, and I will make sure that you are safe and that you are well. I will give you my individual attention. And then the next morning, the same sort of thing would happen rather in reverse, I suppose. All the sheep of all the shepherds, they're all together in one pen. They've been sleeping there during the night. And one by one, the shepherds would take their turn, and they would call their sheep together, named at the gate and when their sheep were gathered at the gate they would lead them out name by name they would come to him name by name he would lead them out there's no question about the word picture in John 10 not when shepherd is used six times sheep is used 14 times And then you have these repeated uses as the verbs to hear, to listen, and to follow. As Jesus summarized his main point in verses 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. See, Jesus wasn't only saying that he was the Messiah. But because he is the Messiah, but because he really is the Savior, we can rest assured, you sheep and I can rest assured that he will always be your good shepherd. Always. He is always your good shepherd. And what's more, we can rest assured that we will always be his sheep. Always. Always. Nothing less will serve the purpose for which Jesus was sent. Think about this for a moment with me. What was his shepherding mission in coming? His shepherding mission, he says in this passage, was that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's verse 10. That I give to them eternal life. That's verse 28. I think those are very similar in meaning. And understand what this means. That Jesus did not come to start us on our way. He did not come to bring anyone partway. He did not come to bring anyone halfway there. He came to lead his sheep. He came to lead his sheep personally. He came to lead you by name all the way there, all the way home, all the way to eternal life with him. 
forever. That's what he came to do. That is exactly what he came to do. He came not only as the truth, but as he would say later, I am the way and the truth and the life. To call us at the beginning of our journey, to welcome us at the end of our journey, and to lead us every step of the way on the journey. Otherwise, we could never get from here to there. Jesus knows that perfectly well. Do you know that perfectly well? And are you confident that Christ knows that perfectly well? That he will never leave or forsake you. That he will always be your good shepherd and you will always be his sheep. He will not allow anyone to take you out of his hand. He will not allow the wolf to devour you and destroy what he has called you to be. He will not allow it. He'll defend you. That's what he'll do. He'll defend you. And he will rescue you. Jesus did not come into the world merely to create the possibility for people to accept him, which they're free to accept or free to reject. He did not come into the world merely to create a possibility. He did not lay down his life merely to create a possibility. He came into the world to call his sheep from all the sheepfolds of the world and to lead them. That's what he came to do. And in verse 16, he'll make it very clear in John 10. He'll say, I have other sheep of other folds. Not just the fold of Israel. I have sheep of other folds also. And I must call them. I must call them. And they too will follow me. So the same work is taking place today. Christ is doing exactly the same thing today that he was doing 2,000 years ago. No less power. No less impact. No less effectiveness. Do not be misled. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. And the proof that there is, or I would say the proof that there are such sheep like this, who belong to him from every sheep pen in the world, is that when, is that when he calls one by name, he or she does hear his voice. And that's an amazing thing. That amidst all of the noise and all of the crowds of voices in the world, in spite of ignorance and confusion in people's lives, and that's every one of us, no matter how convincing the words, the schemes, the promises are of the thieves and the robbers and the charlatans, that sheep that is his distinguishes his voice, recognizes that voice as his shepherd and cannot get away from it until he or she follows him. And it doesn't matter if it's a matter of hours or days or weeks or years or decades. That's how Christ calls his own to himself. You know, recently we, uh, we erected an eight-foot deer fence in our backyard. We wanted to keep the deer out. And we wanted to keep our puppy, Mr. Tibbs, in the backyard. 
so he could romp and play there. First thing he did was escape from under the fence repeatedly. I had to, no joke, I had to drive almost 150 stakes into the ground to keep that fence pinned down. I call it, because of the eight-foot fence, Jurassic Bark. (laughs) And he is our tibiraptor. And he can be there barking, and children can be next door shouting, and there can be a plane overhead and a loud truck in the street. But when I call his name, he will stop what he's doing, he will lift his head, and he will perk up his ears because he knows my voice. And as for following me, folks, every analogy falls short. (laughs) But recall with me how emphatically Jesus spoke in verse 3. Listen to this. I'll read it twice. The sheep hear his voice. He's talking about the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the first and last part is really very straightforward, very simple. The sheep hear his voice. The end and leads them out. But the middle, the emphasis, and he calls his own sheep by name name. There is a true bond between Christ and those he leads, which is not only unmistakable, it really is unbreakable. It is, it is personal, it is familiar, it is knowing, it involves a deep, deep mutual loyalty. And every one of you, if you're like me, You've had what you thought were profound, personal, familiar, knowing, and loyal bonds with others that was broken. It's one of the sad things of life. But Christ is not like that. He is from above. He's not from below. He came for you. He suffered for you. He proved he came for you. He proved he was reliable when he died on the cross for your sin. Now, Jesus taught these things in the midst of growing rejection. And it's very important to understand that context. I guess it's the third context for his words as well, which is immediately what was happening. He taught these things in the midst of every determination, all determination, human, demonic, to silence his voice. That's when he taught these things. So what was he really saying? What was he declaring in that context? And what he was declaring was that nothing, nothing will prevent me from calling my sheep by name to myself. And when I do, nothing, nothing will turn them away from what I have called them to be. My sheep, whom I lead. Now, you know, there is that general sense of calling, that general calling heard whenever Jesus is shared or preached, sort of a general call to everybody, come to Christ. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. That's a general sense of calling. It's audibly heard. It's in the gospel. It can be read. And some refuse and some denounce and some just ignore or just 
pretend or don't hear. They don't have ears to hear. And some respond hearing only what they want to hear. They're in it for God's, Christ's mercies, not for Christ. For them, the end in view is forgiveness or peace. You name it. Rather than a humbling, adventurous, merciful, eternal relationship with God that begins now. And this is why Jesus taught of this general calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. But there is also that other use of this word, call or calling. There is that also that, that calling that Jesus speaks about here in John 10, what theologians, what the Puritans called effectual calling. What the evangelists like Whitfield and uh, Wesley called uh, regeneration. It has a name in every generation across the centuries because it is real, even if it's described in slightly different words. You could call it Jesus' personal calling or his particular calling. Because when the call goes out, the general calling goes out in sharing the good news of Christ, and he is good, good news for the world. The listener, then or afterward, becomes aware of a far deeper and more resonant and rousing voice than the voice of his or her friend or that speaker. It is an inner voice, but not his or her own. It does not speak audibly through the ear, but inescapably and directly to the heart. And it is the voice of Christ. The Lord is calling them individually. And they feel themselves softening. And they feel their pride dissolving. And they wonder what's happening. And they feel their defenses coming down. And they feel their hearts opening. And they feel their spirits yearning. And they feel their consciences confirming. And they feel their, their wills changing. Who cares how long it takes? And they realize, they come to realize that this is the voice I've always wanted to hear me. This voice fills me. This feels like life to me. I can't believe that this would be Jesus, <laughs> but, but it is. And I've been waiting for him, but never knew it. But now I do know it. And I never want to be without him. I will follow. And those first steps of faith to follow Christ are taken because he is leading them. So brothers and sisters in Christ, and to those of you who are not Christians this morning, I love to have a mixed congregation. Because Jesus is the Christ. You, church, can rest assured that he is always, always on duty as your good shepherd. And that because of that, you will always be his sheep. You may doubt it. And you may be told lies by the devil. 
or your own sin may be countering with a different message. But you will always be his sheep. And if your sin is countering with a different message, that is really the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. Because he will not let you go. I want to say one other thing. Christians, as we live our lives, I want to hear that voice. I want to hear that voice. And our experience commonly is that sometimes we really hear him speaking to our heart, our conscience, our soul, much more deeply than other times. I think that's part of the normalcy of, of life. But it is also true that the voice of Christ is inseparable from the word of Christ. Inseparable. When he speaks to us, he will never speak contrary to his word. Ever. It's inseparable from his word. And my point to you, Christian, only is, if you're not hearing his voice, you need to ask yourself this question, am I separating myself from his word? Am I neglecting it? Because I'll be very honest with you. When we're not in the word, what we're really saying is we don't really care to hear his voice. Or, Lord, make it easy on me. Make me the exception. Let me wander around. Avoid the shepherd and still hear your voice even though I'm six blocks away. He speaks to us in relation to his word. Never counter to it. Ever, ever, ever. And sometimes those things you read or hear or think about from Scripture and you know in your heart, you know you have the knowledge of them, then they come booming back with this resonance, this life-changing. That's the voice of Christ. That's the Spirit of God working in you. You can rest assured that He's always on duty. He's your good shepherd. And He will not let you go. You may think you can crawl out of His hand. Nope. You may think you're getting away with something. Uh Uh-uh. Not for long. Because Jesus is the Christ, he is this very moment. Secondly, because he's the Christ, he is this very moment calling people by name to follow him from sheep pens, both here, the Wheaton sheep pen, and sheep pen throughout the world. People are hearing his voice. They are following him. This is, I'm thinking to call this, this is the hidden work of the gospel. You say, this is the invisible work of the gospel. Well, you say invisible, then it's not any work at all. It is no more invisible than you are invisible, Christian, if you are a person, if your body's stripped away. There's a lot more to the reality of what you are than your body. You know that. certainly true of God. And finally, I just want to say, because Jesus is the Christ, we do take seriously his commission that he has given to us to live this gospel, to share this gospel, to take this gospel throughout the world. That as his sheep, we are his commissionaries. And nothing has changed. And nothing will change. This will always be the case. 
because Jesus is continuing, continuing to call his sheep by name throughout the world in every generation. No reduction in power. And it's for us as the church to follow that voice. Let's pray together. Father, we do love you and we thank you for this portion of your word. We ask you so much to be leading us. But isn't that what you promised to do? To lead us. And that is our joy. And we sing to you for joy now. Amen.